0: The following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. All right. Let's take your Bibles, turn to Philippians 2 again. Philippians 2 tonight, beginning in verse 1. 2 and verse 1, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the... Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of of the Father. Verse 5 is my main text. Let this mind be in you. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we continue with this subject again tonight, Father, I thank you for thy word, and Father, for those who are able to be with us again tonight, Father, some who have been sick father thank you for raising them up and helping them and lord i pray that uh, you would help us tonight help me to preach thy word help us to hear these things to understand them and father god help us to apply them for the, for our good and thy glory i pray in jesus name amen again letting this mind let this mind be in you again we know the focal point of this these 11 verses is verse 5 and the phrase let this mind be in you Uh, speaks of let the example of the mind and heart of christ be in you we need to be following his example john thirteen john thirteen it's always good to have good examples the greatest example that we can find is our lord jesus christ in john thirteen and thirteen you call me master and lord and you say well for so i am if i then being your lord and master have washed your feet yet also you also ought to wash one another's feet as a matter of fact after Uh, This service, we're going to practice foot washing uh, for Sunday. No, we're not. Praise God, we're not doing that. For I have given, verse 15, you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, that the servant is not greater than his Lord. Neither he that sent him is greater than he that uh, uh, that sent... Well, (laughs) neither he that... Okay, let's start over. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord... Neither he that sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Got it out finally. But we're talking about example, and Christ is the great example. And uh, as we look back to our text in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1 and 2, we begin to talk about, if you will, the mind and heart of unity. And uh, it's the mind of Christ, and it's important that we find the mind of Christ on this subject. And we uh, began to look, if you will, at verses one and two. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. And so we talked about some of the different phrases we found here that speak of the mind and heart of unity. He says that you be like-minded, that you think the same thing. Perfect unity of sentiment, opinion, and plan would be desirable if it could be attained, but often it's not attainable. But you know what? We should strive for it and toward it to avoid uh, discord, schisms, contention, strife of the church, and so forth, so that we can move forward and reach a lost and dying world for Christ, 2 Corinthians 13, 11, 2 Corinthians 13:11. <clears throat> Here the Bible says, Finally, brethren, farewell, be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace and the God of love and peace shall be with you, so that you be like-minded. And then we talked about that that she have the same love, John 13 and 34, John 13 and 34, love is important, first our love to Christ and then our love for one another. In John 13 and 34, a new commandment, I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you that you love all, love, also love one another. It's important that we love the Lord first and then love each other. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. And that's an important thing because in many churches today, there's anything but love. <laughs> there's a lot of fighting and fussing. I just heard about another church recently in town here that I imagine is going to go through a split because there were some group, there were some from another t- type of a church that literally infiltrated this church, got more people baptized than the, than the main congregation and literally voted uh, themselves in control of that church, basically gonna split the church. You said, it isn't happening, it happens. I don't imagine that every church is, it, all of them just have this warm and fuzzy thing going on. No, <laughs> there's often all kinds of difficulties. I'm sad, you know I'm sad when anybody Pulls a stunt like that. It's wrong, but it happens. And then we talked about that you may be of one accord and of one mind, and uh, that is being of one soul, as if we were actuated or moved to action as one soul in agreement, harmony, of will to do the Lord's will. And folks, you know, God's will should be our highest prize, and you know we should try to strive to be of one accord and one mind. Paul says in Philippians 1 and 2, Philippians one and two. <clears throat> he says, "Fulfill you my joy." It was Paul's joy when the local churches were in one accord and one mind. Unity is a, you know, unity of general Christianity will never happen. It will never happen. But unity that the Lord speaks of in the in the Scripture has to do with the Lord's church, the local church, the, the church that Christ called into existence and established. It's important that we have unity in John 17, again, John 17, 20, and 21. John 17, 20, and 21, as we're reviewing. <clears throat> here, Christ, and this is his uh, intercessory prayer for his people, particularly for his church. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which, which shall believe on me through their word that they all may be one as Thou, Father, art in Me, and I in Thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that Thou hast sent Me. So we're talking about unity, Christ praying for unity within the local church. We see in Acts 1, Acts 1 and verse 12, after Christ has risen from the dead and ascended to the Father, Acts 1 and 12, we see the Lord's church, the first church in Jerusalem, the Baptist church, Having been established by the Lord um, <clears throat> in unity and, and uh, accord, in uh, Acts one and twelve, then returned they unto Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which was from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. And they were uh, come, and when they were come in, they went into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and to- Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew and James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon and Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said the number of the names together about 120. 120 members of the church in Jerusalem had gathered together to re- replace uh, the apostle Judas who by transgression the Bible sell, fell basically betrayed Christ and committed suicide. And, uh, and they, uh, during this time, for the first uh, so much time after Christ's uh, <clears throat> ascension, uh, they were in one accord, they were in agreement, they were in unity, and that was so important uh, for this church as they were launching out into missionary work. But you know what? There is the enemy of unity. I want to take a few minutes to, to stop here and talk about this for this reason. You know folks, the, the chief uh, tool of the devil with any church, and sometimes with homes, is, if you will, discord, disunity, and striving to, to, to tear uh, people apart. In Proverbs chapter 6, look there with me, Proverbs chapter 6, and you know, during this year, you know, this year is, in one sense, a very important year for, the, for our church. We will have been in existence for 25 years, and we're going to have our building dedication. And already, already, uh, the devil is, has, uh, has been attacking God's people in one form or another, striving to discourage and defeat and sometimes create disunity. And, you know, you say, is there something going on here? Not that I know, but what I'm trying to do here, and I'm going to remind us, and we need to be reminded from time to time that the devil is alive and well. He is the adver- our adversary individually and collectively as a church and he would strive to if he can rip us apart and keep us from fulfilling his will let me say this it 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 uh, it happens more often than not that churches split at times like this and we don't want to find ourselves in that kind of a mess if you look at me to proverbs chapter 6 beginning in verse 12 proverbs 6 to 12 a naughty person a wicked man walketh with a froward mouth he winketh with his eyes, he speaketh with his feet, he teacheth with his fingers. frowardness is in his heart, he deviseth mischief continually, he soweth discord. The, and it doesn't just have to be a man, I mean it can be a woman. We're talking about, he's speaking in generalities here. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly, suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. These six things doth the Lord hate. Now you, pay attention to this fact, he hates these things. He says, "Yea, seven an abomination: in him a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations; and feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren." It's important uh, that we take heed to our own personal lives our individual lives because you're a part of a local church you're not just a part the bible says no man liveth in himself and no man dieth in himself as a church as members of the bible baptist church for well for some who are not but anyway uh the devil Uh, regardless of what church you're in, you know, God would have you uh, to work toward unity and and be careful not to find yourself as being one who would stir up a discord, if you will. Proverbs 16 and 28. Proverbs 16 and 28. Proverbs 16 and 28. A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separated chief friends. You know, sometimes one that sows discord doesn't do it in a bold and brash manner, but does it oftentimes in a very secretive manner. May even, may even use words like, you know, we need to pray about this. We need to pray about this. You know what, folks? Be careful that you don't become a tool of the devil. You say, is something going on, preacher? I don't think so. But what we're doing is, is applying some preventative medicine. Amen. If you will look with me to uh, Proverbs 26 and 20. Proverbs 26 and 20. You know, the last thing I want to, to do is have done nothing toward encouraging people toward unity and warning us against uh, uh, discord. In uh, Proverbs 26 and uh, verse 20, uh, the Bible says, uh, Where no wood is, the f- there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. Again, we're talking about a whisperer, someone who's got a, a story to tell, and they come in, and with the story and the whispering, sometimes they create strife and difficulty that leads uh, to discord. Uh, if you will, look with me to Acts 6, Acts chapter 6. <clears throat> and it's interesting in the history of the church in Jerusalem, it took a while, but not necessarily that long before there was a problem that developed within the church in Jerusalem in Acts six and one in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the G- grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, "Is not reason that we should leave." Uh, the word of God, and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom whom we may appoint over this business. Again, he's not uh, creating a deacon board that rules, but rather he's looking for some men who are full of the Holy Ghost, spiritual men, to do what? Wait on tables. Serve tables. He says, but we will give ourselves continuity to prayer, and the ministry of the word and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen. Now watch the the the, the qualifications: a man full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom when they set the, before the apostles, uh, whom when they had set before the apostles, when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company, the priests were obedient to the faith. Good things happened when the murmuring and complaining, the, 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 the problem was dealt with in a spiritual manner. And, you know, sometimes as, the, as, as a church grows, there's more opportunity for problems. You say, why is that? Because there's more people. There are more people, and I want more people in the Bible Baptist Church. I'd love to see people get saved by the grace of God. I'd love to see the Lord add churches and families to this church. But the more people we get, and we want people, Amen. But where, where there are more people, there's more potential for trouble because there's more mouths, Amen. More mouths that can get going, whispering, murmuring, complaining. Philippians two. Philippians chapter 2 and verses 14 to 16 Philippians 2:14 to 16 <clears throat> The Bible says here do all things okay all things without murmurings and disputings murmurings and disputings that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom, you, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that, sh, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. That I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. He says, do what what things? All things, all things, without murmurings and disputings. You know, it's easy to be uh, to get into a complaining spirit and begin to murmur and say things behind the scenes. That in times may lead to, to discord and strife. Be sure of this, folks. You know the Bible says the uh, uh, the tongue is a little matter, and boasted great. It's like it's like a little fire that creates a, a, sometimes a firestorm, if it's not under, under control. And so, uh, again, we want to. I, I took a little extra time as we're reviewing that you be of one of accord and of one mind, and then looking back to Philippians two. And verse 1, we began to talk about the blessings they were, that, that you remember all the, that you're all the partakers of His blessings. We talked about, if you will, if there be any, therefore any consolations in Christ, that is the, allevi- the, the alleviation of misery or distress of mind, the refreshment of the spirit of happiness, hope, joy, courage, and so forth. It's important that we work to encourage and strengthen one another. Romans 15, Romans 15 verses 12 and 13. Romans 15, verses 12 and 13. Here the Bible says, <clears throat> And again, Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he, shall, he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, and him shall the Gentiles trust. Now the God of hope uh, fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope, Through the power of the Holy Ghost. God wants us to have consolation. He wants us to be refreshed, have hope, joy, and so forth. Then we talked about the comfort of love. Colossians 2, verses 1 and 2. Excuse me, verses 1 through 3. Colossians 2, verses 1 through 3. Paul writes for I would that you know what great conflict I have for you and for them at at Laodicea for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh that their hearts being uh, might be comforted being knit together in love unto all all the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge being knit together in love in love. Folks, we need to remember to love each other. Let it bind us together. Not And listen, let us be careful not to become complaining and complacent and murmuring and so forth. We don't want strife and trouble. We want to enjoy the blessing of the comfort of love in Christ. And then Philippians 2, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1 again, let's talk about the third things, the third of the blessings that we enjoy. If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit. Now this idea here is, the idea here is that among uh, uh, the Christians in general, especially in the local church, there was a a participation in the influences of the Holy Spirit and that they shared in some degree in the feelings, views, and joys of the Sacred Spirit Himself and that this was a privilege of the highest order. Now you know what? Look at me in Ephesians 1 ephesians 1 as we all know all too well but we'll be reminded of it again ephesians 1 verses 12 through 14. ephesians 1 verses 12 through 14 that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in christ and whom ye also trusted after that you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and whom also after that you believed you were sealed with that holy spirit of promise which is the earnest of our inheritance and the redemption of the purchased possession of the praise of his glory. And we know as soon as you trust Christ, after hearing the gospel of Christ, the Holy Spirit of God or Christ dwells in your hearts by faith and you are, uh, you are uh, uh, if you will, a vessel that contains, if you will, the Holy Spirit. So like where? Now because uh, Brother Fowl doesn't have a heart, he will not be having heart surgery. But if we were to open him up, Besides guts and other things, we would not find the Holy Spirit physically, but he's there. He dwells in our heart, not in the the muscle, but in the heart and essence of who and what we are. He dwells in our hearts by faith, and that is a privilege that every Christian enjoys. And fellowship with that, that spirit, each one of us, we enjoy that privilege and that blessing. The Bible says in 1 John 1, look with me there. It's a matter of fellowship what a blessed fellowship it is he says in first john one and one that which was from the beginning first john one and one which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes which we have looked upon in our hands of handle of the word of life for the life was manifest and we have seen and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the father and was manifested unto us that which we have seen and heard Declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, folks, Jesus Christ said in John 14, I said, well, I'm going away, and I'm going to give you another comforter, even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive. But we'll receive him, he'll dwell in our hearts by faith. And we have fellowship with Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit. And that's a blessing that the world at large does not enjoy. There is no such thing as the spark of divinity in anybody. The only only spark of divinity we receive is the person of the Holy Spirit the moment we're saved. And you enjoy fellowship with him. First, uh, First Corinthians 6, First Corinthians Corinthians 6 and verse 18, First Corinthians 6 and 18. Here Paul writing to the church at Corinth, a Greek church made up of Greek converts, many of which some are Jews, many Gentiles. He says, flee fornication, every sin that a man doeth without the body that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Again, if you're cut open, they're not going to find the Holy Spirit. Physically, I mean, you're going to find a little God sitting cramped in cramped quarters. No, but the Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts. We know that. God teaches us that. You know, folks, there's a lot of things we've not seen. The Bible says faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Amen? Regardless of what skeptics may say, when you're saved by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit dwells in your heart. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And it's important what we do with this temple, what we do with this body. We're to glorify God in this body and our spirit, which is God, and our spirit has everything to do with unity. Amen? And our fellowship with the spirit has everything to do with whether or not we're going to keep our hearts right and unified together as a church. Amen? Ephesians 2 and 18. Ephesians 2 and 18. For through Him, speaking of Christ, we we both have access, now watch this, by one Spirit... And of the Father. Now that word "Spirit" is capitalized on purpose. It's talking about God, the Holy Spirit. We have access to God by the Holy Spirit, and in the local church, access into the local church by, by grace through faith in Christ, then scriptural baptism. But he goes on to say, "Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation, of the apostles and prophets." Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the building fitly framed together, groweth unto an holy temple. Again, here's another temple. The Holy Spirit, the the temple of the Lord is the church, amen, the local church where the Lord himself abides, not only in us individually, but when we gather together collectively. He says here in verse 22, in whom you also are built together for inhabitation of God through the Spirit. Again, the Holy Spirit, the fellowship with him, but he's talking about, <clears throat> are built upon the foundation. Okay, verse 21. In whom all the building fitly framed together. You know what, folks? God wants us to be fitly framed together. He wants us to be together. Not, if you will, in discord. You, want to, you know what, folks? <clears throat> the church means as much to you as you invest yourselves in it. Amen? You know, sometimes people are waiting to be invested rather than investing themselves. Now, there's not a, in a smaller church, there's not a lot of places to serve, but we're trying to help people to find places to serve. But folks, invest your heart in this ministry, in this local body, in unity, and unity of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to lead you and I to love each other, to work together, to do something for God. Amen? We're talking about the fellowship of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll begin in verse 13. <clears throat> and this is in context with verses 14 and following. It says, for by one Spirit, again we're talking about the Holy Spirit, or are we all baptized in the one, one body? Ah, Holy Spirit baptism. No. When you look at this verse, you pay attention to what the Scripture says, There's only one baptism, we'll get to that, but the Holy Spirit of God will lead those who are saved by the grace of God that have the Holy Spirit to follow the Lord in scriptural baptism. He goes on to say, whether we be Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free, for we have uh, been all made together to, to drink into one spirit. That spirit is going to lead us, direct us to follow the Lord in scriptural baptism to bind us and bring us into the fellowship of the church, the fellowship of the Spirit collectively in His temple. Verse 14, For the body is not one member but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole were a body, where were the eye? And... Ah, uh, the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? if the whole were a hearing, where were the smelling? But now God has set the members every one in them in the body as it pleased Him, if they shall if they were all one body, uh, all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members yet but one body, and the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you, nay, much more those members of the body which we seem which seem to be more feeble or necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be honorable upon these, less honorable upon these, we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body. And let's talk about factions in the body. You know, God wants us to be all in one accord, in one mind. He wants us to be like-minded, one heart one soul working together enjoying if you will the fellowship of the spirit that there should be no schism in the body but that the members should have the same care one for another whether one member suffer all the members suffer with it or one member be honored all the members rejoice with it now you're the body of christ and members in particular he's writing to the church at corinth he's giving church doctrine he's teaching us about the fellowship of the spirit if there be any fellowship of the spirit We enjoy uh, enjoy personal fellowship of the Spirit because we're saved by the grace of God. Christ dwells in our hearts by faith. And then when we gather together, God says His Spirit gathers with us. He says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of thee. That's not talking about if you're on your boat on the lake on Sunday. Yeah, boy, what a blessing. We're we're serving Jesus. Wow, what fellowship. No, no no we ought to be in the house of god amen with the people of god the temple of the holy ghost enjoying fellowship with him together ephesians 4 and 1. ephesians 4 and 1. i therefore the prisoner of the lord beseech you that you walk worthy the vocation wherewith you are called with all loneliness and meekness with long suffering for bearing one another in love endeavoring now watch verse 3 endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace there is one body and you know what he's he's directing some of this to unity there is one body there is only one body in the scripture local church not universal invisible body Many many are confused about the body of Christ they either imagine that uh, it, what they're confused about is the, the difference between the, the family of God and the church of God. There's a difference. You can be a part of the family of God and not be a part of the local church. Or you can be a part of the kingdom of heaven and not be a part of the local church. Because the, ki- the kingdom of heaven is all the saved on the earth at any one given time. But you might not be in the church even if you're a part of the family or in the kingdom of heaven. He says there's one body and one spirit. What spirit might that be? The Holy Spirit, one Spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, all, who is above all and through all and in you all. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Do you know something? Not everything that calls itself the faith of Christ is, is genuine. There are many counterfeits. Amen. There are many counterfeits. You know, we're not all the same. Well, we're all Christians. No, we're not all Christians. Even if people call themselves Christians, they're not all Christians. Who are you to judge? And listen, God's judged what's right. The Bible says, The Lord knoweth them that are His, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Amen? 2 Corinthians 6. Look at verse 14. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion hath light with darkness? Now, let me say this. Uh, If you're going to get married, young people, you marry, now listen, be sure that you marry somebody who's saved. If at all possible, you be sure that they're saved. And not just saved, but someone who is saved and a part of the same faith that you follow. If you're saved, you're an independent Baptist, don't go out and marry an evangelical. (gasps) Well, they're saved. So what? So what? What you believe has everything to do with what you do. Amen? What you practice. And there are some saved people who are in wrong churches and their practice is wrong. And if you yoke yourself together with them, it is going to affect you negatively. Oh, but I'll help them to come into the fold. Don't count on it. Because, now listen, because if you violate the clear command of God, it may not happen ever. You marry an say, oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll get him saved. I'll, I'll get him saved. Don't count on it. Don't count on it. It may happen, but more than likely, it won't happen. Amen. You know, and let me say this. This is part of the reason why myself as a pastor, I am not going to marry any couple that is not a member of this church, they're not members of this church, I won't marry a couple that one is a member and one is not. I won't do it. Because it's an unequal yoke. Unequal yoke. And I know the problems it's going to cause. Now you know I can't stop you from doing it. I can as if, and let me say this, I can right now, as I am, admonishing you not to. As I've admonished others before not to and I'll not, I'll not stop loving you or caring about you. But if I didn't love you and I didn't care about you, I wouldn't tell you the truth. But this is an important truth. And it's not just in this relationship, it's also in a relationship of business. If you're a saved person and you get into business with an unsafe person, do you know what? You're unequally yoked. You don't have this, now listen, you don't have the same heart. You don't. Don't kid you. Well, that, that guy's a really nice guy. You know, there are a lot of nice guys in hell who were lost and went to hell because they rejected Jesus Christ. It's true. Well, God doesn't send nice people out. Well. The Bible says there is none good. No, not one. No, nobody. Before we're saved, there's no goodness in us. Amen. Be careful whether it be in, home, in your home or be, you said, what does this have to do with unity? It has a lot to do with unity as we move on. It says here and <clears throat> what fellowship we're talking about the fellowship of the spirit <clears throat> what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteous and what communion hath light with darkness what communion what fellowship can the unsaved have with the saved? none. Now let me say this In order for the unsaved to be saved, we need to try to befriend them. But understand this, there will never be a fellowship of the spirit between you until that person gets saved. You know, you hear the term kindred spirit. Now people use that, they throw that term around. But when it comes to Christianity, there is a kindred spirit because there is a a same spirit that dwells in your heart and their heart. If you're saved and they're saved, you know something? There's going to be a kindred spirit. Without doubt. I remember years ago, I, I, was, I went to witness to a guy at work. I pulled out a track, and he pulled out a track. <laughs> he was an evangelical. But I think he was saved. We swapped tracks. Amen. Part of the problem we had is the Bible says it, Amos 3.3, 3, can two walk together except they be agreed? No. We couldn't. You know, we could agree to disagree. We could agree we we're both saved. But we couldn't cooperate and work together to do even the work of God. We couldn't do that. There wouldn't be any real fellowship and communion in that, in that uh, bond. He says in what, verse 15, and what conquereth Christ be Belial... Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be a separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you and will be a father, and to you shall be my son and daughter, saith the Lord Almighty. Now, you know what, folks? <clears throat> what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Now, you know what? <clears throat> I've said this many times over the the course of of my preaching. I cannot go to the ministerial association, not because I'm a snob. I'm not a snob. And I will be friendly to, to, to some who are of other faiths, but I cannot gather together with them and pray together with them because I'd be praying for them to get saved. And I cannot, I cannot gather together with them in christian endeavor if i'm concerned about whether they're preaching christ or not if they're preaching a false gospel there cannot be an agreement in the things that we endeavor to do there cannot be a fellowship of the holy spirit when there's disagreement like that it's important what we align ourselves with you know there may be some Christians, in, like I've said before, in some of these other churches. But you say, well, preacher, we, shouldn't we be able to get together and fellowship with some of these? Other? I wish we could, but we can't. Do you know why? Because as soon as we get together, we're going to have to deny everything we believe for the sake of getting along. For the sake of getting along. we will. We will pretend like we don't believe something so that we can work together and try to get along? We can't do that. You know what? Picture this. You're working with this group and someone needs to speak up to them about Christ and the gospel. Will you do that? Or will you say, well, I I don't want to risk their displeasure. I don't want to risk upset. I, I might lose a friend. What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? Now, I'm not saying we should be unkind to people but to speak to them as if they're brothers and sisters in Christ and they need Christ and they preach a false gospel. What are we doing? How can we help them to come to know Christ if in their presence we deny Christ? Because we, you know what, we're a little, you know, well, if I bring this up. Or if they, you know, we start talking about faith. They may talk boldly about their faith. But, you know, if I, if I talk about mine, well, well you know. They're going to hate me. They're not going to like me. How are they ever going to like Christ? How are they ever going to want Christ if we don't lovingly share the truth with them? Amen? Are we, just to, to, are we supposed to get together? You know, even sometimes in political matters. We get together and we're going to band together and politically we're going to do all this grand and glorious political stuff. Well, what if they really know what you believe? Do you know what? We've had people come and write, they'll, they'll call us up and say, well, you don't realize how conservative we are. And I think, oh boy. <laughs> oh no. You don't know how conservative we are. and I don't bring it up at the time. I encourage them to visit. But <clears throat> I know this, that somewhere along the line, as we preach the truth of God's word, it will draw, it will draw those of the same spirit together, and it will drive out those who are of another a spirit. Because there's no fellowship of the Spirit. There isn't. If you can have, listen, if you can have greater fellowship with someone who preaches a false gospel or some unconverted person than you do with professing, genuine professing Christians, something is wrong with that. Something is wrong with that. We're talking about the fellowship of the Spirit. Paul is writing to a church at Philippi and he's talking about the fellowship, the sweet fellowship that we who name the name of Christ who are genuinely saved by the grace of God can have only with other believers in Christ. It's important, folks. And it has everything to do with unity. You'll give your heart to what you really want to give your heart to. You want to be a part of the fellowship of the Spirit in this local body. You'll give your heart and your spirit to it. Amen. What a blessing sometimes when our church gathers together and there's a sweet spirit there. Amen. There have been times after I preach, sometimes a tough message, and I've watched people walking around with joy in their hearts, talking to one another, rejoicing, and fellowshipping together. There is a fellowship of the Spirit of God between God's people that binds us together. Amen. And I have one more point but we'll not get to it tonight. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message or if you would like information about our church please visit us online at Dickinson. Dot com.